it's iterative. It never ends. And if you have something you can really stand up for, coupled with a strong brand at the core, then you have a business that's agile and ready to stand up to external forces that impact it. That's the view of brand from today's guest, Gail Carpenter, founder of Sparklip. As the creator of the Red Bull packaging, she knows a thing or two about it. Today, she takes us through her personal business journey and the pure principles of how to create an authentic brand. Gail, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be part of it. Thank you. So I can't mm-hmm. wait to hear this story. I'm sure it was one of those um, sort of litmus moments in your career. But let's let's talk about you before you launched the business. And, um, I, you know, I'm really interested in this passion that you've had um, for art and design. Have you always had that or did that evolve over time or where did that come from? I think it's it's inherent in me for sure um i think ever since i won my first coloring competition when i was six years old perhaps um <laughs> i got the bug but um yeah it just uh i think being immersed um growing up in london being immersed in sort of culture and being um really fortunate that my parents would take me to galleries and the design museum you know i i couldn't necessarily articulate what um design was um meant to me but certainly mm-hmm. from a really young age I've just always been exposed to it and that's where my sort of love I suppose grew. So I think you know we've talked a lot on the show about um, role models and and being able to be what you see and it sounds like your parents immersed you in that sort of culture that you know comes from living in the city and you know uh, would have been one of the things that would have been you know, so accessible to you, I suppose, living in London with so much choice and so much diversity um, <clears throat> down there. Um, but you you didn't actually pursue that from an educational point of view initially. You decided to go into business studies when you went to university. Yeah. What made you so, decide to do that? Yeah. And then what happened? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting turn of events. But um, yeah, so even though I sort of pursued art design through like, A-levels, GCSE, um, and it was always my passion. I think when it came to the crunch and I had to make some sort of hard choices, like career-involving choices, let's say, um, I was very much persuaded by my dad to do business. And I say that in inverted commas (laughs) because um, I think my dad's understanding of being a creative was being an artist and and, and not really a career. So... So You're not I going to make of, any money at that. <clears throat> no, exactly money. right. So I, um, so I definitely sort of bought into that and wanted to sort of please my dad, I suppose, to a degree. And uh, it lasted for about six months, I think, before I just went, I just can't do this. I'm just going to see, go over to the art and design ring, just see if there's a possibility of changing over. Um, I took my portfolio with me and then within a week I had started on the art and design course there. Mm-hmm. Um and it took a while before I actually admitted to my dad that's what I had done, um, <laughs> which which was interesting. Um, but you know, I mean, it's obviously paid uh, paid dividends in the long run, but yes. at the time, um, possibly wasn't received that well. <laughs> yeah, an awkward Christmas dinner moment. I remember when yeah. my parents found out I had my first tattoo. <laughs> I tried to tell oh, them some transfer. Yeah. <laughs> Probably somewhere up there with that kind of positive reaction. 
<laughs> absolutely. I mean, and I quote, my dad uh, said to my mother, it's okay, Gail can do art because she's a girl. Um, and uh, we can read between the lines that he was very old fashioned. But, um, yeah. but you know, I, I, in an, if anything, that spurred me on to yeah. make sure that, you know, being a creative was a really good t- career choice for me as well. Yeah. Um, so you uh, you immersed yourself in it. And um, I guess, you know, I suppose it's that saying, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Um, so yeah. you, you, you did follow through and you completed the degree. But then what did you do after university? Like, how did you cut your teeth out in uh, in the world of work after that? I mean, I have to say, I, I do feel for the, the, the graduates now because it's I think an even more competitive marketplace than when when I um, graduated, certainly. Um, But having said that, I think even before graduation, I made sure that I was on um, a placement scheme. And Mm -hmm. I I was really fortunate to kind of work with two great agencies, one that was quite small, um, ex-partners of the partners, um, and another which you may have heard of, which was Wolf Ollins, um, Mm -hmm. which was... an amazing experience and it it completely confirmed that branding was my sort of first love I suppose and uh, and that was even before I graduated so that also put me in really good stead to take on some free placements and that's what I would say to anyone now don't be frightened to just get in there and do some work for free because yeah it will bring so much more um, if you can afford to do it, please do it. <laughs> um, it it really does kind of bolster your confidence, but it also um, just enables your CV to, you know, have a really strong start, I think, as well as getting some great mentorship. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely encourage anyone to do that. It's almost like an investment in yourself, isn't it? Rather than uh, working for free, you're almost like investing... Yes you're in yourself and um, so what was it about branding what was Absolutely. it that really like what was that spark that that's branding in particular really grabbed your attention that's a really interesting question I I think ultimately I'm quite good at stepping back and seeing quite a big picture I love how everything connects um and I love how um branding is is you know so much more than a logo and a website it's it's kind of intrinsically linked to the company um Mm -hmm. right through to the core um and I suppose I'm a bit of a a nerd (laughs) like that (laughs) I love the detail um of of how it all works together and, and and if that kind of first initial bit isn't quite right how it can just unravel very quickly for a brand yeah um yeah so yeah first and foremost I'm a bit of a sort of design nerd I think if that makes sense yeah. oh no no it sounds perfect but that <laughs> that nerdiness I think has has stood you in good um in good stead because you've actually gone to work for some incredible brands can you tell us a bit about some of those and your experiences with them yeah um wow uh Gosh, which was your favourite? Only kidding. <laughs> which was very, well, I think, I, funnily, something came around full circle for me um, when I got to work on um, rebrand for the 
the Scouts um, yeah. actually years ago. And it, ironically, they've only just been through a rebrand, but they've retained some of the um, initial assets from, from the original one that we did all those years ago. Um, that was one of the most fun projects because it wasn't just the Scouts. It was all of the separate sort of um, individual brands, such as the Beavers and the Cubs. And it was super, really good fun. Um, and before that, you know, I'd been sort of either designing annual reports or doing some kind of corporate mm-hmm. branding, um, FMCG. So it felt different and fresh and it was really good fun. Um, and then, as I say, it came full circle because my son started the Cubs and uh, he got the got the outfit and there was my logo kind of stitched onto his yeah. shirt. And it was just, it was really lovely. And, and that oh. I had done, gosh, I over 12 years ago, 15 years ago, probably. Um, So it's really had stood the test of time. Um, Yeah. And that's really good. And actually with all all projects, um, I think longevity, if if something stands the test of time, you've you've really achieved something successful. Yeah, there's a legacy there, Um, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But gosh, so many different jobs. So for startups as well, um that can be really good fun um although you have to you know you really have to get invested from the start um to help those guys along um through to like really big brands um like autoglass and um red bull uh <laughs> just yeah i can't actually think when you've been working for over 20 years to actually yeah pinpoint some pick your projects. own yeah Oof, over the cops one signs so yeah. yeah, for the Cubs yeah, one signs like that sort of emotional, you know, your son walking in through yes. the door wearing his <clears> uniform <throat> and you're like, oh my God, I made yeah. that logo. That's so and, and as much as I, I say to people, branding is not just a logo. Um, ultimately, mm-hmm. that day it was. And <laughs> and well, it's no, because sort of it emoted and it, it was about emotion, wasn't it? It yes. It was yeah, about absolutely. emotion. Yeah, um, everything and that's sort of what in that tiny little package. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gorgeous. Um, So you did all that brand work for other people and um, were incredibly successful at it. And then 2004, you decided to go out on your own um, with Sparklook. Tell us about that. What what kind of brought that decision about? Was it a snap one? Was it something that evolved over time? Tell us a bit about that. Um, So had I originally set out to work for myself, if I'm going to be completely honest, possibly not. I saw myself in a in a, a sort of trajectory of sort of creative director going to a, you know, working through a larger agency perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. However, um, it came to the point where I was essentially heading up a design team, which felt like its own independent um, company within a company. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not an unusual story, but so we've just been, you know, given some opportunities by clients or connections of clients that that made mm-hmm. me thought it's sort of now or never. Um, yeah. You know, there's nothing to lose. Let's 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 try this. Um, there are people saying that they would give us work on, on the other side, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and 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 it was, and we were actually really busy straight away. So um, you know, not much time to think really. Just yeah. get on and do it. <laughs> <laughs> We've been busy ever since, so, so that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And also come in full circle again for your dad, you know, 
he wanted you to do oh, business absolutely. studies and here you were starting a business. He'd be like, I told yeah, you so. I know. Yeah, <laughs> just so. like double whammy, you know. Oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's really proud, really proud. Yeah. So, yes. And, you know, you couldn't understate um, what you've just said there in terms of you didn't really have much time to sort of think or process what you were doing because it was only two weeks into launching that you were pitching to Red Bull. But like, yeah. how does that come about? Like people don't get to just pitch to Red Bull, um, you know, so there must I mean, have been a series of things that happened to yes, allow that yeah, to come that to you. I, mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but the reality is that um, building up connections is the best way to kind of build out your career, build out um, your clients. Um, and it happened to be, it was a, a connection of a connection, um, a recommendation that came to us. Um, yeah. And I think w- w- essentially what happened, at Red Bull at the time were, were, were quite maverick, but at the same time kind of establishing themselves more as a serious business. Um, yeah. So, as such, they, they had an incumbent agency who they work with, and they still work with, who does all their sort of above the line. Um, but they were kind of sort of failing to keep a pace sometimes with some of their mm-hmm. sort of innovations or thinking that they wanted to test because it was always a very much a no, it's against the brand. But, but you know, but it was very much the team that um, approached me wanted to explore. Um, opportunities in other areas um, and they approached me looking at sort of innovating um, their packaging around sort of different um, pack formats mm-hmm. um, and so they were like and I, and I quote the, <laughs> the person that phoned me up was like uh, you do that design stuff do you reckon <laughs> that you could come in and give us some ideas and I'm like I can do stuff yes yeah. and I was just like and, and, and it was completely within, you know, a comfort zone. Um, so to go in there, um, yeah, two weeks in yeah. and and pitch for this sort of innovation project was um, interesting. It was fun. And I just thought the best approach is the honest approach. Um, so it was very much his presentation. Uh, this is capabilities. This is what we can do. But uh, ultimately established two weeks ago <laughs> yeah um, and I think and that, at, at the time that just appealed to their kind of um their culture even you know they're they yeah. are the trailblazers really aren't they in a lot mm-hmm. of things um yeah, you know and absolutely. we can all think about a lot of the branding for Red Bull and um you know some of the so the uh things that they've done over the years um, and they've always been a wee yeah. bit out there. And I imagine that the pitch wasn't even traditional. Like the like the, the, the approach to you certainly wasn't as like you do design stuff. Come on in. Let's do some stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can imagine that the pitch that you did in that environment was different to what you maybe would have done when you were back in the kind of agency world. Would it have been or was I it? I think it was it was certainly more, more casual uh, and um, just just a little bit more raw perhaps yeah than the sort of like polished um sort of stuffy presentation um yeah so it's like read the room guys <laughs> you know they, they yeah. you know they they want you to be part of the team um and be a good uh, sort of personality fit as well is as important uh, yeah certainly with that organization so in, in that respect yeah it was culturally a little bit different um fundamentally like what you were presenting um 
was probably very much the same <laughs> um, yeah because you can only present what your capabilities are um yeah but yeah otherwise it was just a it's a lot more fun <laughs> <laughs> and you sort of grow in from strength to strength I suppose from from that moment you know we're now uh 16 years later um, there's still a, a client and you've grown to acquire many more uh, clients but the competition in what you do is is so fierce mm. um, how it's do so you fair. how do you kind of stay ahead like how do you always be that cutting edge um, agency partner that people can bring in is it about staying small and lean or is it about you know staying current or what what is it you know what's how what's your kind of secret to success on that um that's it is interesting uh, i mean I, I think you can't be all things to all people and that's what i've realized um so would i say that we're absolutely cutting edge i mean i think we're an ideas business 100 percent. um but we're also a, a business that um has enough experience that we can actually deliver on on our mm-hmm. kind of ideas and promises um so sometimes i think you know, existing clients, there's a real trust and collaboration there where we we constantly work on that relationship and we're constantly coming up with um, ideas that will help them innovate mm-hmm. and do things differently. Um, yeah. So we don't always necessarily wait to be briefed, if that's the case. Yeah. Or sometimes we'll get a hilarious brief, which is just one line <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a post-it <laughs> and, and, yeah. some, and then Somebody's all of a sudden saying, there's a yeah. Yeah, strategic <laughs> projects come out of it. Um, but, um, and then in terms of being cutting cutting edge, um, I think if you are truly cutting edge, like literally at the forefront, um, you're probably only cutting edge for a very short amount of time. Um, yeah. I, if, I, if I'm being honest. Uh, if, that's, if that's what you, you choose and that's your path, then I think you have to be like absolutely on your uh, yeah. A game constantly. And I think that's perhaps not necessarily the path we've chosen. I think we've chosen kind of ideas and collaboration over kind of being like absolutely yeah. at the cutting edge of things. Um, yeah. And certainly that's that's paid off for us. And that doesn't mean to say that we don't evolve and change because we do. We are a small team. We are really agile. Um, And we've always got our eye on what the next thing is, but we're also... um, Practical. Yeah, I think practical enough to realise that we are not going to, say, compete with some amazing tech heads who um, work at the the forefront with Google, (laughs) if you still don't know. (laughs) And, And I think, so that's where we kind of draw on our sort of, brand experience um yeah because actually fundamentally you know branding and ideas it is kind of the same the way you execute it might be completely different <laughs> yeah the landscape it's, has changed but but i think at the core it's kind of you know the same skills you know yeah it's like the three hours at school <laughs> is it like uh when you I guess I suppose know it. it's like a knowing your customer like knowing your sweet spot of customer and like you you know you've yeah. kept the team at Sparklip you know um you know li- you have kept it lean and um, but it, it has yeah. some really immense experience in there um which mm-hmm. I, I presume has been a strategic decision 
for you. Yeah. Um, and then does that ha- then help kind of laser focus who the, you know, who the pl- perfect clients are that are open minded, um, but kind of on par with where you want to be um, and that, you know, when you're talking about coming back to, you know, it's like knowing your business and knowing you know, from your experience, what your capabilities are and just being and true to those. Yes. And, and I think it's taken us a long time to get there, to realise sometimes actually bigger isn't always better. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked in big agencies and, you know, it absolutely you can see how they, all the cogs work. Um, I've worked in medium-sized agencies and small agencies. And, and I think now going through it ourselves, being sort of small and mighty as an I like to say, um, has sort of paid dividends for us. I think in lots of ways, in terms of um, the balance that we can give to our clients, ourselves, our team, um, and and also yeah, the the, the focus. And so you know, these are our core skills. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it has definitely helped. You know, and being a bigger agency, which and when I say big, you know, it's kind of bigger than we were now. Um, a while ago we did sort of scale up and then very yep. strategically intended to actually scale back a bit because by adding more wasn't actually that we were adding more value better um yeah. to either the business or our clients um in fact we were just adding more complexity so yeah definitely like you know scale back and, and work with like really kind of um work with the cutting edge um partners who are at the forefront yeah. of their game their uh, game where we need to yeah skill up yeah absolutely yeah. Um, was that um I mean is that a learn would you say that that whole process has been a learning like you didn't set out when you were looking to scale the agency I'm sure you didn't set out to go hey we want to make this more complex and just add more work but no extra value I mean that wasn't obviously what you intended <laughs> yeah. to do <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know. if that was the ambition that we wrote down. <laughs> Let's make our lives a nightmare. Yes, yes, yes. You know, because we love learning from entrepreneurs and, and teasing out what you've learned from those experiences because, um, you know, the audience um, we have is, are those people that are, that are in that uh, same bubble as you, which is either growing a business, yeah. scaling it or maintaining it or trying to stay, you know, in the best in their field or whatever it might be. You know, what did you, what, what was your intent when you started to scale the, the agency and where did it start? Where were the sort of red flags that you were like, actually, this isn't the right yeah, path? that's a really good question. Um, first of all, I would not discourage anyone from scaling up because I think actually for some mm. businesses, it, it works perfectly, especially where you can automate or kind of be very kind of like almost like repetitive in your deliverables, let's say. Yeah. Um, then, you know, scaling up can be, can be the right thing um, yeah. and can be ultimately profitable as well. Um, yeah. But I think I think for, for us, because we sort of um, diversified a bit too much, perhaps, um, and we had, we need, the one thing I've always been really keen is, keen in is not having too much kind of admin heavy um, mm. teams. Yeah. Um, I think I always value being able to talk directly to a client um, and giving that sort of one-to-one service. And I really encourage that with all of my team, however junior they are, yeah. to to build that relationship. And and I think that, so the red flag for me was, it got to the point where we, we were kind of like 
dropping the ball and it doesn't matter how many processes you put in place to not drop balls yeah. um <clears throat> if everyone is not exactly on the same page as he um it will happen <laughs> um yeah. and then you become you know more focused on hr than perhaps your clients and the quality of work let's say so yeah. um so so that's that were the pinch points for me and certainly I think, um, you know, having to add in kind of extra sort of project management and um, administrative roles yeah. to support the larger team, the larger it gets, the more you need. Um, yeah. You know, it, it just sort of sort of grows, but it's not necessarily growing what your core skill base is. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, it's, it's almost like it's getting back to the sort of the, it's almost like a pure <clears throat> version of, you know, what, excited you from well right from university has been the ideas and being able yes. to you know create the creativity side of it and getting yes. bogged down in admin and processes was taking you away from that which is the thing that you thought yeah. was, was really the underpinning sort of you know uh off spark loop I suppose um, That's right. Was that your? And then how do you? How do you go back? So how do you go? Hang on, breaks on. You know that's not easy either. You know changing that direction and communicating that as a leader, um, to your team. So how do how, how do you do that in a positive way? Well, um, yeah, that that's also a, tri a really tricky one. Um, I think that there was a sort of a natural. Um, kind of like a natural uh, ebb and flow of, of people mm -hmm. within the business. And I think yeah. we just sort of made a decision. There was, you know, wasn't anything um, dramatic in terms of like yeah. mass cull. It was like, yeah. I think things naturally sort of came to their end. And yeah. at which point we just evaluated like, do we want to continue this? Or is actually, you know, do we, do we need to, refill that role or actually yeah. are we happier to, to to work as our sort of like real um tight core team yeah um and the answer was well let's try because we can always rehire but it's much harder to and, and and quite unfair to 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 hire people and then just let them go lose them yeah. let's say yeah yeah i suppose that's so, what's quite nice about <clears throat> project work is that you know mm -hmm. it comes there is a natural end to a project so evolution. it does yeah yes yes um mm. so that sounds like it was quite a big challenge um at that particular point of your entrepreneur journey but what are some of the other ones that you've faced along the way I mean we know from speaking to other guests particularly in your situation where you were coming from the comfort from a full-time job is that almost that was the biggest uh that was the biggest challenge that they had um we had Mark uh right on a few weeks ago and that's what he said the biggest scariest thing was actually quitting his job yeah. and going, going for it huge um, huge what about you I mean, I mean yeah absolutely it was I mean fortunately like I said we were busy from the get-go um and didn't really have time to look back and think about that mm -hmm. um but uh other challenges I, I think mainly it's sort of um less about certainly with the team as, as we are mm -hmm. now, we are a really tight knit team um, and we've really grown together. So, um, so I'm, I have less concerns about the, the people 
at Sparkloop. But um, I think challenges are more external challenges in terms of competition. And obviously, <laughs> the C word that we can't um, <laughs> avoid right now no. um, has really kind of thrown everything into the spotlight, hasn't it, as to what is and isn't working with your business. Yeah. Um, regardless of what sector you're in. Um, yeah. So, And can we, can we talk um, about that a little bit? You know, how has yeah. it affected you guys? How has it affected the creative industry as a whole? You know, we've seen entire industries being decimated during this, yeah. um, you know, this COVID period. I'm not even sure what we're calling it anymore. We're not locked down, but we are. We're in new normal, but it isn't. New normal. I don't know what. <laughs> reset, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I don't know what we'll it is. We'll look back but... on all these things. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll go, God, that was a really mad time, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it really was. I mean, I think we're all still trying to navigate it, aren't we? Let's be honest. Yeah. But um, I mean, we've been really, really fortunate that we we have some really loyal clients and they have been great. Plus, we've also had some clients who said we need to we need to like rethink our branding and we need to rethink our comms. Um, like now is the time um, if we want to come out this the other side. Um, yeah. So it really has been, and we've been fortunate ourselves to be relatively busy actually through this. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, working on some uh, sort of almost like crisis comms for HomeServe. Mm-hmm. That was quite a big piece that we did. Um, but then equally, you know, Red Bull, <laughs> they, they, yeah. those cans, you know, keep selling. <laughs> so we're, uh, yeah, Um certainly plenty to do there as well um so in many ways we've been you know quite fortunate um that's not obviously the story for everybody and I think it's especially because we're we're fortunate that we kind of work across different sectors so we're not necessarily culture or um kind of on trade or you know specifically those sectors that are really really suffering right now um you know, so we're kind of quite spread. So fortunately, the risk was spread as well. Um, but you know, you hear you hear of some agencies who are purely digital, and they are absolutely um, so busy they can't cope. Um, and then obviously there are others who are unfortunately, let's say, working with like catering industries who are yeah. just kind of on their knees. Um, yeah. Or yeah. So. Yeah, it's it, it's a clients. real tale of two. Yeah, yeah, it's a tale of two halves. I think it's it's more the sector you're you're working in that's yeah. the, the biggest challenge. Yeah, I think something you said there, which was really <clears throat> interesting, was about how brands themselves have had to rethink their branding <clears throat> and to rethink their yeah. comms. And I think we probably all saw it a little bit. Um, not certainly not for March because nobody saw anything because we just didn't leave our houses, mm-hmm. but. You know, as we started peeking out the door a little bit and, you know, starting to head to the shops and you'd slowly start seeing the billboards changing and the messaging all changing. Um, I'd love to know what your views were on that, because obviously, you know, brands had to recognise, you know, they had to be kind of sensitive to what was happening around them. And you started seeing these, you know, 
adverts now not talking about the brands themselves but cheering on the NHS or promoting some kind of public health message or you know doing whatever it could maybe some kind of terrible thing but it was never about the brand itself or what they did that stuff had to stop because nobody cared about that um you know what were your observations during that time and who any standout brands that got it really right any standout brands that got it really wrong oh um I think probably a lot sort of didn't get it wrong necessarily, but um, but uh, there was a lot of same, wasn't there? Mm. I mean, yeah. If we if, if we can see one more sort of corporate um, ad which has sort of multiple um, Zoom screens <laughs> on it, um, yeah. You know, Oh, uh, yeah, we, we, I think we're like, yes, we've got it now. <laughs> That's yeah, great. I mean, I, I think um, some brands have done things brilliantly, like innocent. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they always have a sense of, apply a sense of humour to it. Um, and I yeah. think those who, who genuinely, um, like, kind of, like, have purpose and believe what they're, that they're, they're putting out there um, yeah. versus those that are sort of just using it as an opportunity yeah. I mean, we see that with the black lives matter as well um yeah. you know there, there are some brilliant um examples like nike have done an amazing ad um, they have which it's brilliant yeah, which it's so brilliant um <clears throat> and then you know there are others that just actually make you want to curl up and hide under a sheet because you're like yeah. i can't believe you did that um there was also um, i'm gonna call out bt uh, as well oh yes um, the tech for good for, was it tech for good um, no. it was um again it was it was an ad rather than sort of a print ad but um tv ad was, that yeah <laughs> yeah you're recalling it it's about a, a girl and she was i think the situation was basically uh the girl was at home working she had really bad interconnection, internet connection because she wasn't with BT. Um, and the voiceover kind of implied that um, because she's got really bad internet and she keeps dropping out of her team meetings, um, the junior's going to take her job. Pretty much no, that I didn't see video. that one. That wasn't the one <laughs> no. I was thinking oh, about. It was, no, it was, oh, um, it was horrific. It was totally tapping into... People's fears and the anxieties, so, <laughs> exposing their vulnerabilities. Yeah, so ill judged. Yeah. But then you know, BT often is right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. When you, when you talk about what a brand, you know, feels getting it wrong to yeah. you. Um, you know, between that and being on the phone for hours to try and sort out your bill or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't fully leave you warm and fuzzy. Let's put it that way. No, um, no. So uh, that's yeah. actually not the BT one I was thinking about. It was um, Technology <clears throat> Will Save Us is a brand and they um, sell STEM kids toys. And I did see this um, billboard campaign and they were doing, they did a range of different ones at the time. And Tech Will, uh, Tech Will Save Us was one of their strap lines. And then, but I think this is one of the examples of where it happens and they do end up handling it well, is that about through four weeks later, because I, I am a customer of Tech Will Save Us for STEM kids toys. And I got an email saying that they were now in a partnership with BT. So instead of taking it down the you know the litigious um, intellectual property um, infringement line they'd obviously taken a positive approach to it and come up with something that was mutually beneficial um, for both parties 
That's so good. yeah. And and I think there's a lot of there's a lot more with with everything that's going on right now, there is a lot more positive feeling. I think people are more willing to kind of look at collaboration and mm-hmm. looking for the positive. I mean, we're desperately looking for the positive in everything, aren't we? So um so that's really good to hear. Yeah. Um, so what do you think um, the future of Brandon lies now in this whatever we're in world? <laughs> you know, what it, where is branding in the creative industry? What's what's it going to look like <laughs> after this is all over? Um, and where do you think yeah. it's going? Is it socially um, impactful type? Is that the road where everybody's going down? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Do you know, I will say that branding really should... Um, I, I mean, that's that's impact is definitely you know it's it's more than a trend right but um Mm -hmm. but but in terms of actually branding I think it is still I go back to the three R's and it's it is still kind of like strategy identity and amazing execution and activation Mm -hmm. and ultimately I think if you if you don't and this is as true then as as now if you don't have um a clear purpose and really something you can stand up for, um, coupled with a, a really strong brand identity that that tells that story with distinction, mm-hmm. then you'll you'll never move forward. And I think that's as true then as it is now. Um, yeah, it's simply that uh, you know the things around us have changed so much. But if if you're at the core, have that centered, then you can absolutely move and change and adapt with the times. I mean, if you think about um, Apple, think different. Um, yeah. Red Bull gives you wings. You know, that, that yeah. is still as true now as it ever was. Um, yeah. And and, and then, of course, they're two great brands that are completely agile and they grow and adapt um, yeah. based on kind of whatever the outside sort of climate looks like. Um, but, yeah, so... so <laughs> So yes, it will change um, hugely in terms of how things will, um, how people will, I think, reflect on their brand and they'll be more inward looking, I hope. Um, inward looking in a good way, I mean, self, self-assessing. Um, yeah. But, but fundamentally in terms of like branding and as an industry and uh, as, a, as a creative process, yeah. I think. The it, pillars stay the really same. really hasn't really, yeah, really hasn't, yeah. hasn't changed that much. Yeah yeah lovely um we are coming to the end of our time together um and i've really enjoyed um talking to you uh, gail and having a good old chin wag about brands i'm totally going to go and look up that bt ad after this i do, I do, wonder- you, know, do you know what i can't actually <laughs> find it anywhere on the internet because it's so bad anyway try it i don't think it was out there that long it probably had such no. a horrific <laughs> no but yes. you can always find this stuff i'll go on reddit <laughs> yeah find. um so we always like to wrap the podcast with um some advice so um let's start off with maybe your own personal experience and maybe some of the best advice that you've ever been given over your career both as a creative and then as an entrepreneur what were some of the things that you've been told or maybe some of the things you wish you'd been told that you find out later no one told you <laughs> um i think as a designer um attention to detail is it was is the number one best piece of advice i had and that's that's not just within your work but it's also 
um, to your clients, to, to everything that you do within your business. Um, yeah. Don't lose your eye. <laughs> um, and then I guess more, more as a, as a, almost like as a, rather than a business owner, because I do actually think you have to, you know, kind of find your own way and find your own path and every business is different but more so as a female business owner um yeah. don't try to be a man yeah um it's Three probably advice. also the best piece of advice i've had yeah yeah so like stand down the power shoulder pads and the 80s power suits we don't need yeah. that we just accept um you know that, that we are different and rise to the the, the beautiful benefits of that. <laughs> yes. Let's ignore the cries from men going, why can't you be more like men? Um, yeah. Which, you know, given the fact that most leadership tra- traits are now the s- strength of those have changed from being those dictative mm-hmm. uh, and directive uh, traits to being much more affirmative, uh, collaborative, you know, empathy, all of these things, which brings out the best in others. It's, it's quite interesting yeah. that we still seem to hear that, um, you know, in the in the uh in the environment um and then what Mm -hmm. about um for our founders that are struggling with their brands and their design at the minute what final tips could you give to them to help them stand out um in the crowd cool i think it's as i've said before it's it's really um before you even think about design sort of go back a step to then move forward because I think you need to go back to the basics and ask yourself, um, let me let me walk a customer journey um, as though I was a customer and uh, let me look at all of the touch points where, where my brand seeps out and make sure yeah. I'm represented in the best way. Um, and, and also, you know, put a mirror up to yourself, look at the competition um, and see what, what's happening there. Um, I think all too often we sort of, we don't go back and reevaluate that enough. Um, and now yeah. is the perfect time to do that. Um, and then um, I think from there, build on what do you stand for and create your, your really clear story. Um, once you've got all of those things in place, you will, things will almost design themselves um, because you will have a really clear direction. And I think so much of the time um, we see companies um, ask for a logo or a website and actually they haven't sort of done that kind of core brand building um, to enable a designer to be able to even know where to start um, yeah. so you know the, the output is only as good as the brief <laughs> um, <laughs> often um, but it doesn't stop there I think it's an ongoing process as well it's iterative um, you need to make sure that everything is joined up and that it's really consistently applied. So wherever your customer might reach out to you, it's exactly the same customer experience. Um, and I think that's where sort of design can, can really help um, choose the right words and pictures and it will, it will take you far. Lovely, great um, advice to finish on. I um, have no doubt that those insights will help those that are struggling with their brand and push through, go back to basics, as you said, and Mm -hmm. um, hopefully get um, a better night's sleep. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. 
Fast Forward is a weekly interview podcast brought to you by Tech Manchester, an incubator for digital and creative startups in the Northwest. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. The podcast is produced by Sarah Belli, audio editing by Jamie Gownlock, and music by Parma Violets. If you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line at info at techmanchester.co.uk or follow us on any of our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all under Tech Manchester. <laughs>